You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field. It is gone! It went! Deep right! Batista's going to win the night! Start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 116. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, the Indians played some games, and it was awful. Starting rotation is awful. Jason Kipnis is back. Brad Miller's DFA'd, and he's not happy about it. Uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be back soon. Hopefully, maybe next week, he's going to start his rehab assignment, either today or tomorrow, sometime soon. And we interviewed MLB.com's Mandy Bell. She did a lot. She gave us a lot of good insight into the Indians. It was a lot of fun talking to somebody that, that close to the Indians who's, who's covering them so closely, and she's doing a great job, so we had fun talking to her. Before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening, whether you're on, I don't know, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to us, downloading, uh, leave us a review, give us a comment, whatever you do on your preferred platform. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Hi, I'm fine. You know, sometimes you come at me with this this random question, sometimes it's just a hi, sometimes it's, I never know what to expect anymore. Keep them on their toes, baby, keep them guessing. <laughs> and also coming back for more, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> So we can just get right into the fact that the Indians merit. They technically played some baseball this week. Hey, have you um, noticed that if you go on baseball reference and they have all the headshots of the top 10, uh, top 12 wins above replacement for each team? And on the Indians, they're all wearing white jerseys, but I haven't seen them wear a white jersey in like a week and a half. What's the deal the with merit that? intro I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's, it's seeing all those C hats also is kind of jarring very suddenly. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not used to it, I guess. Yeah, you know, it, it's but... it's only Trevor Bauer that uses the traditional jerseys. I really want to I'm gonna find somebody on our poor staff who wants to do something really tedious with me, which is go back to like You're right. twenty twelve or twenty thirteen and all the current starters find out when they've picked what jersey. Because I want to see who's yes. done what. Hands down. I mean I I'm Carrasco only wears we gonna do this? I think so. Carrasco only wears blue. Right. So does Kluber almost no, all the time. No, Kluber He's wears really white. close. Kluber wears white a lot. Also, he wears the cream on Sundays. He wore that a lot. Well, they um, had to on the weekends. That was a thing true. for a while. Thing. But he he wears he wears the white a decent amount. He puts it on the road a lot, I think. So I see him in gray a lot. No, he doesn't yeah, wear blue so. very much at all. I think we need to go back. We're gonna look at. We're gonna. Do there it is. We have we we have the great research plan. <laughs> Let's go try plan now. What, are we just picking the the current five or yeah? Let's pick yeah. Cause yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not crazy. I don't want to go and look at fucking whatever the hell Josh Tomlin's wearing. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's, it's Kluber White or not Kluber. Trevor Bauer does the whites and grays. He's the traditional one, and the other ones do whatever. They get buck wild. But I'm gonna, I'm interested to see. Anyway, did I tell you I saw Josh Tomlin pitching? I tweeted about that. I think he was a reliever for the Braves, right? The Braves, right? Yeah, it was really weird to see. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh. It was very surprising. That's the wrong uniform. <laughs> I should tell you. And it's weird. Like, him and, I guess, Michael Brantley isn't weird to me because he's just a really good player. Like, those can be anywhere. Yeah, that was really strange, though, still. I was watching I guess. An, an Astros game the other day, and he just came up, and I knew it was going to happen, but he's wearing, like, he, he has that goatee again, so it looks like evil Michael Brantley. <laughs> and you're, and That's what he is. That's why he's on the Astros. Michael Brantley did not sign everywhere. That is Michael Brantley. He's wearing that orange jersey, and he's playing with. <laughs> Uh, Alex Bregman, who's you know the second best third baseman in the American League. Oh man, can we still? I'm gonna I'm gonna still count Jose. I'm gonna, I'm okay with that. It's been like a game. I 
a game. It's been it's a little a, while. Whatever, fourteen games or something. Fifteen games. <laughs> whatever. Well, Merritt, the Indians they did play ten percent of my ass. <laughs> they, they got swept by the Royals, which good lord. I mean, they split the White Sox, but that seems so long ago at this point. Um, overall, in the last week, they did. They were only outscored twenty six twenty three, which seems like it'd be a lot worse. Um, Leonis Martin's bat came alive for five hits, including a double and three home runs. He was really happy to be back in Detroit. It seems like he was crushing them. Um, some guy named Brad Miller. Uh, he went seven for 18 with three doubles and a home run. I'm sure he's going to be great for the Indians. Carlos More Santana like started Mad to cool Miller. off a little uh... bit. <laughs> hey <Hey-oh. laughs> And then Eric Stamets was just <laughs> awful. Uh, let's start with that, Mr. Mad Miller. I accidentally, I wrote an article today about him, and I accidentally called him Bad Miller in the title, which I want to share everybody was not on purpose. But nobody caught it for like 12 hours, so I don't know. Um, anyway, Brad Miller, he's DFA'd. He was not too happy about it. What do you what do you make of this here? That his his he said that I don't know if he said it to Paul Hoynes or he just was there with the media. But he, his quote was obviously they don't want the best guys up here, and because Tito told him it was unfair, he knows. But um, but it sounds like from Tito's words that it's it's just a lefty righty thing, maybe or a mix of both or what. But but what is your take on Brad Miller not happy leaving the Indians the way he did? I mean, in a vacuum, it's it seems weird and stupid because uh, he's basically a career league average bat on a team that right now is triple a in talent at least two i'd say a third to a half of the of the line of any given time is of triple a level talent usually um you know you can go back and forth a guy like jake bowers but they're rolling out you know stamets and um max moroff is still on the team uh jordan luplo was recently on the team uh Say what you will about Carlos Gonzalez, but I mean, he's been barely league average for, in fact, he hasn't had a league average season since 2016. So he was a little dinged up and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, in a vacuum, it seems a little stupid, but we talked about this specific thing coming into the season, I believe. Remember, we were talking about how it's like they were forcing uh, Francona's hand to play the young guys, and that's what we wanted, right? Right, right. Was it what we wanted? At this point, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> at one point, point it was what I wanted. But then I looked at the young guys. I was like, God, no. When every single young guy is terrible at once, it doesn't oh, look God, good. Oh, God. It's really jarring. It makes you hate the future, really. Um, <laughs> just the future in general just looks but, bad. I mean, again, Brad Miller is exactly what he is. He's he's put, posting a 98 OPS plus right now. And that's basically what we could expect out of him, which is fine. And the Indians, and you need players like that. Like, they have a starting second baseman coming back who is basically the same quality of hitter, possibly slightly better than Jason Kipnis. Hopefully he's healthy. He's probably, it's probably a wash defensively. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to cry over, you know, Brad Miller leaving. It's weird. That's the biggest thing. Like, it's Brad Miller leaving. It's, it's, it's yeah. one of the three guys who's going to be gone now. One of them is going to be gone in a week. Like, in two weeks, we're not going to care at all. I mean, if the Minions made this move like three days ago before he had three hits in two days, nobody cares. This isn't even a headline. I mean, my only but, real worry is who is the who's the utility infielder going to be once they're back to full strength of the infielder? Is it going to be Eric Stemetz? Because if so, it just blow my head off now. <laughs> Whoever it is is going to be on the bench like 140 games, so who cares? But I'd rather have Max Moroff, which still isn't great. But I, know, I, yeah. I don't want to see Eric Stemetz ever again, really. I mean, sorry, guy, but I'm sure you're great. No, you know, he seems like a sweet enough kid, but like you, yeah, like you said, I just, and maybe because we've just seen too much of him. We've seen 14 games of him already. And like, that's how much, I mean, how many games did uh, Eric Gonzalez play last year? You know, in fact, I can tell you using the computer, um, he played, oh, he played an 81 game. He had 143 plate appearances last year and we've already seen 44 of Eric Stemetz. So over an entire, yeah, in Two weeks—that's too much, Eric Smith. That's just—it's just too much. 
Maybe I'd feel yeah, better about him if it, if it was a smaller dose and he was just out there and he just, uh, you know, whatever. And it didn't look as bad because he was playing next to a good Jose Ramirez and a healthy Francisco Lindor or something. But well, I mean, we've seen these kind of guys in Cleveland like every year. It seems like there's Mike Avilas, there's Michael Martinez, and there's Eric Stametz. And, and it's always just these quote-unquote versatile guys who really aren't that versatile. They just happen to play a bunch of positions even though it's not very well. But I don't think it's the end of the world. That's that's basically where I am with it. I'm more concerned about like how does Brad Miller was was that a good idea for him to do that? <laughs> like on your way out, basically say some of your teammates aren't good. That can't be because I mean when you think about it, this is my same contention I have with like saying that teams are terrible and then people wonder why players get offended by that. When you're saying that, you're saying individual humans are bad at their jobs, and of sure. course they're going to take offense to that. So Brad Miller on his way out was basically saying. Hey, Eric and Max, you're garbage. The Indians don't want their best players up here, which is me, which maybe he's I not mean, wrong, but also maybe that that's not a great look, I don't think. I, I, I guess that's fair. And, they, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume he's pointed more, obviously, at the front ob, front office. They don't – he and he thinks he's good. So – but I, I can understand what you're what you're saying. Yeah, certainly. Well, yeah, I don't think he's he's directly yelling at Eric Stamets or Max Muroff, but that's sort of what he – what it comes off as is like he's yeah. I'm the better player and they're not keeping me over these guys but maybe I just I don't know I'm not an athlete <laughs> maybe they all just realize the way it is and I'm sure Eric Stamax doesn't think he's doing very good so I'm sure he realizes that what Brad Miller said isn't completely wrong but I also don't want Stamax to turn into Michael Martinez like as the Cleveland because I mean he's the guy that came up with the Indians and he's he was a decent minor leaguer and I think maybe he could be something in the majors it's just unfortunate he started so bad yeah I think maybe that. he just called up too soon I didn't think he was going to get this much playing time this early on well that's the thing like I said he's already gotten 44 plate appearances and he just looks overwhelmed every time out there I mean yeah, it's hard to do that every week or every game when there's really yeah, no exactly. break yeah yeah so I don't know he's um it's exactly what we expected would happen we were just kind of hoping they'd strike a little bit of gold with one of these guys and I think it's there in Jake Bowers we'll just Things just aren't lining up, I guess. You know, it's bad luck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll have to wait and see if that all that piece together, I suppose. If Bowers is that guy, are we are we done with Luplo now? I mean, how much – the Indians don't seem to be giving him a chance at all. It's always Greg Allen now as the backup. Yeah, I mean, I like Greg Allen. I'm a big fan of his. I think he could be good. He's shown a propensity for being talented. He has to strike out a ton. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just – more about space than anything else, right? Like, they're going to play – they've – obviously, they want to play Jake Bowers, and they see something in him. And, I mean, I, I see it, too. There's definitely talent there, right? I wrote about it last week. Like, he hits the ball very hard and takes and takes a lot of walks. It's just bad luck and early season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, I, think, he'll, I think they want him to be good. Leonis Martinez, you're not taking him out of the lineup. Um, and then they just have a third spot there, and Tyler Naquin has at least been hitting a little bit, and Greg Allen's a good fourth outfielder kind of guy. So I don't know what you do with someone like Jordan Luplo is the only issue. It's it's just is there space on the like is there space on the team for him right now? You know, like they the answer right is no. Now, maybe, but but if Tyler Naquin is even somewhat competent, then no, <laughs> like there's nowhere for him to be. And like also they they did sign Carlos Gonzalez and not to have him wallow in you know, in AAA or anything like that. The the point was to have him be some kind of a better influence who can at least produce a decent amount offensively. I That's not a you have to play him, but you kind of got to play him at least to see what you have there, you know? So, Liverpool has options and things like that left. So, they can they can bring him back. He's still young, and he and this will give him at least cons- consistent playing time. It's just there's so many outfielders right now. So, 
I don't think I don't think they've washed their hands, Jordan Luplo. It's just there's no like what do you do with him? Naquin has been hot to start the year and Bowers is ensconced in left field and Martin is who he is and Allen is a perfect fourth outfielder. It's just the that, that's the math, really. Do you think this is their their alignment's been a little weird since Gonzalez came up? Do you think it's always gonna be Bowers as a DH when Gonzalez is in left field, or was that like a one time? I thought that was weird. Like, put him in right and then leave Bowers in left. I don't know if they're going to just leave Carlos no, Gonzalez no, as left fielder. No, you don't play. No, oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> is his arm really bad? I Gar- know Gonzalez that, but... has been bad off in the outfield since forever, and at least now he's playing in a smaller field. Like, obviously, he was playing in one of the largest outfield outfields in baseball when he was in Colorado. But yeah, you don't want to do that. But that feels like a waste for Bowers then, because that's a right. that's a really that's, athletic that, boy out there. That is that is the confusing part. Like there is he has the range to cover left field. So I don't know. Um I wonder if they didn't expect him to have the range to do that. Like the I the mean, idea all along was have him hopefully be a DH eventually. Right, right. First be a DH type. I don't know. I mean Although maybe his range isn't that great. That is an excellent point. Like what do you like Carlos Gonzalez's value was in the bat, but you already have a DH in Hanley Ramirez. Are, are they just gonna platoon the dh position that's a weird thing to think about i I know they've done that in the past when they had uh ryan rayburn and whoever the hell else was on the other side of the of the plate for him david murphy was that who just platooned with was that who it was this is a scary time in my mind (laughs) that was a fun year 2016 was ryan rayburn 2016 i thought it was before that no, I thought that was 2016 ryan rayburn maybe that was you're right because it was one year he was gone by then yeah. It was 2015, that's right. That's a scary time, yeah. Jeff, yeah, the manship <laughs> year. Good times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yes. It's weird. To, it'd be weird to platoon the DH, especially when one of your DHs is Hanley Ramirez, who literally can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that I'm, seems I'm, weird. Well, well, and that would be the platoon, basically, right? It would be... I guess, uh, yeah. God damn, Vance Hanley looks like hell. Ugh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what? Is he their DH over there? Uh, what's no, going I just, on? I, I just kind of look at uh, his current picture on uh, baseball references. <laughs> rough. Just looking. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, yeah, that year they were platooning. It looked like with Rayburn and Lonnie Chisenhall. No, he wasn't the DH. With I think it was David Murphy who was DH with them somewhere. I remember them being yeah, together. Or no, I guess it was Chisholm in the outfield with oh, Rayburn at one point. I mean, Nick Swisher was on that team too and stuff, so I don't know. Yeah, Michael Bourne. It was bad. I'm not sure. Anyway, Mary, it, it doesn't matter anyway because, I mean, we have a good starting rotation, so as long as um, they're really good and this healthy. This podcast and, is over with. <laughs> as long as they don't get injured or break or forget how to pitch, we're fine. Oh, God. It's um, really falling apart, hasn't it, man? It's gone quick. <laughs> I wanted to double check, and since the last podcast, Clevenger was perfectly healthy. We had no idea about the hellscape that was in front of us. Um, but Clevenger is out for, uh, I I guess the optimistic estimate is like eight weeks. Well, June, when you can I touch think, a baseball yeah. is what Terry yeah. Brancona said. No touching. <laughs> and then, Oh, maybe we did talk about that last week. I remember you No, we no didn't because he, he got hurt and we were like, oh, he's probably fine. That was a Sunday, I think. Oh, and then, that's right. And then it was announced on Tuesday oh, that no. actually he died. <laughs> so... Yeah, so he's out for a while. Um, Jeffrey Rodriguez made his debut. Debut. Let's. He looked fine. Looked I, sharp. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the way he succeeds all the time, having like three <laughs> strikeouts and no walks, um, no. and getting a lot of weak contact. I mean, he throws like ninety six, ninety seven. So I mean, I'm excited to see. What he, I want him to be a reliever. Yeah. We can start there. Uh, that. Why is that man in the rotation? First of all, why is? I guess yeah, because they need it. Secondarily, why isn't he in the bullpen? It's not like they have a <laughs> right. good bullpen. Follow on up this. question: Why yeah, not bullpen? Question two, dear sir. <laughs> 
Yeah, he debuted. I think he looked fine. Did you did you watch that game? Did you see? I mean, it's it's fun seeing a guy hit ninety seven. So, which so game was that? Was easily. that the one on Saturday? Saturday? That was Mike Clevenger's scheduled start. Um, was that that was also the day we saw your big sweaty boy too? I, I'm pretty sure he came in. That's late. right. I did watch that game. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, the memories. Which, by the way, it was a cool fifty three degrees in Kansas City. So I don't think he got all lathered up. I was really. I sad know about that's that. why it wasn't quite as effective as you'd want him to be. He's got to get <laughs> I real took... moist out there. I took a screenshot when he first came in. I was so ready to post like first pitch and then third pitch when he's just drenched, but <laughs> it didn't happen. So it was too cool. <laughs> it's coming, so but I mean, yeah, Cody Anderson's story. It's really good. Tommy John surgery like two years ago and he's back and throwing. It's I'm going to be honest. I still don't see anything in his future. Like you quite do, but I'm really You're happy insane. that he's back and healthy. He's got the hammer of a curve. He got a solid change up. He's got that, that laser of a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> laser. By which I mean has no break at all. It just goes straight. <laughs> no movement at all. Yeah, were you uh, happy to see him back and sweating up the field a little bit? Yeah, I can't wait to see him start start starting. I mean, that's they gotta stretch him out a little bit and he'll be he'll uh, he'll be the, the next Shane Bieber, pretty much, is what I'm talking about. Who incidentally has been lethal, and I'm enjoying that at the very least. Everyone saw that coming, so we got that going for us. Yeah, I mean it's him and Trevor Bauer are the two that are really good right now. I mean Clevenger was really good, but that's not happening. But yeah, no, Bauer was a little rougher in his last outing, but I mean, he's doing pretty good. But Shane Bieber, man, is he going to come out of the first month being the best pitcher overall that's healthy? <laughs> that is a real thing that could happen. Oh, definitely. He's only going to have, what, two? Well, two more starts. Um, I mean, Bauer could pass him, I guess, because he hasn't been terrible. But Carrasco and Kluber, like, no matter what they do, unless Bieber implodes, like, he's got the fast track to be the best Indians pitcher for the thir- through the first month. He's only going, like, what, six innings of start. So I'm not going to sit here and, you know put him on my shoulders and carry him into the holler or anything like that. But at the same time, <laughs> Oh, I am. I am. You're hundred percent right. He's, he really is, has developed a very nice changeup. So he actually does have three legitimate pitches. He I didn't mean, even use that in the first game. Remember that? I know. Like, he didn't even throw it. And then he just used it in the other one. Like, Oh yeah, there it is. And I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I forgot that. Like, he, he, he has a very neat breaking ball because it, it's not, I don't know. It seems as though it's all one pitch, but he just does different things with it. So I'm not even sure if that's what's happening or not, but I forgot he had a curveball, honestly. And then he threw it a few times. Like, Ooh, that's pretty good. That's nice. That's nice depth on that. So yeah, he's a guy. You never really worry about his stuff. He just locates so well. And that's, that's, that's the most amazing part. It's just, he gets, he gets pitches called that like in the past it was, you were like, I don't know. Roy Halladay was got the guy getting these calls. You know what I mean? Like just, just so on the on the edges. Eventually, someone's going to catch on to the fact that he goes away constantly. But he's got to learn how to pitch inside, especially on on right-handed hitters. But that's fine for now because you can just pair that with his uh his slider and make them look like fools. But I'm very excited to see that, that, that he is he has made this kind of leap forward. Um, we, we all expected it. We all look forward to it, and it's nice to have. The unlikely hero for now. Um, I fully expect Corey Kluber to come back and be fine eventually. He he does this every every spring almost. But this is different. This is not the same bad I Corey Kluber. The thing is, I'm literally writing about it right now, and I can't tell if it's different or not. He's been a little bit unluckier than in the past. In terms of walks, though, Merritt. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with the walks. Like he's just he's getting less less calls around the edges than he has in the past. Um, I haven't looked at his pitching breakdowns yet in terms of like actually what he's just, what he's throwing overall. It could just be that maybe he's throwing too many sliders. Honestly, the last two years, if you look at how he's, how he's pitched in the past, he's kind of 
folded the the his curveball or whatever the hell you want to call it in throughout the year and throwing it more and more. Like in twenty seventy when he won the Cy Young, he went for throwing it. I think like maybe twenty percent of the time in in April and May and whatnot to like forty four percent of the time or so towards the end of the year. And he just he just you know he just kind of flipped the script on on what people expected out of him. Now this year again, he's throwing twenty one percent. He's run twenty one percent curves to this point. Uh, a lot of sinkers and cutters, and I think that I don't know that pitch still pisses me off. His cutter, I mean, just because it's 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 like a wienery version of his slurve, and I just I don't know why he throws it as much as, as he does. Obviously, who am I to to judge this man? He has two Cy Youngs, but it just seems like every time he gives up a big ringing hit, it's on his cutter. It's a good sorry, pitch. Did you, did you turn wiener into an adjective? Did I hear that right in the middle of that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think talk, you said I, wienery. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> I don't know it's it's just it's it's just it's, it's not working the way it should I guess and I again who am I to judge it maybe it's according to pitch weights and you know the, the way we have to judge individual pitches it's a good pitch but pitching you know linear weights on pitching and things like that is as much about everything else around it as, as it is the actual pitch itself so other stuff has been so good he's able to pair it with his his slurve to a degree that maybe, I don't know, maybe people are catching on or something, but I, what, what is the solution there? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I've been, I've been rooting through his, you know, the stat cast and things about, like that around his starts. I can't, I can't find anything beyond he's been unlucky and also they're hammering his, his cutter. It's only been a couple hours of my, of my research. So I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent on that yet, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what your, what your deeper diving looks into it. But like that last start, man, he just looked, it's almost a good thing. He just looked like a guy who lost it for a game, which is completely acceptable, I guess. He just could not find the zone whatsoever. He obliterated them in the first in the first inning. Yeah, like three strikeouts. Yeah. He was. He, it was like it was like, oh, we're back, baby. And then all of a sudden, it, he was not back. He was on the bench. It, it was very abrupt. So, I, I I just I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm I guess I'm, I'm still looking into it a little bit, and hopefully something will come out of it or nothing. Who knows? Maybe it's just one of those days. You know. Yeah, and I, I also mean, realized watching that it's I'm so used to seeing the balls like hit the edge of the zone. It's just so weird seeing him throw, and then they're like several inches outside where it's not mm-hmm. even close. It's just not natural <laughs> to see Corey Kluber miss that much. No, I know, and well, that's the thing too. Like I, I, I said before, he's been he's been a little bit unlucky in terms of he's been getting more pitches on the edge of the strike zone called balls than he has, um, in past years. Uh, like something like seven like 13% of all balls on the edge of the zone are being called ball as opposed to in the past it was down it was like between like 8 and 10% or something like that which is you know i mean it's only a couple pitches but a couple pitches can make a big difference you know the the, the ops difference i think between 1 and 2 and 2 and 1 is like 440 versus like 850 or something like that those those are numbers i pulled halfway out of my ass but it's it's the the number like the difference is that stark you know what I mean like, like a, a single pitch can can change the shape of everything we've seen that you know a billion times the amount of baseball we've all watched so now is that a framing issue you think that it's I mean the difference between this year and the last couple of years is obviously I don't know. Roberto well, and Gomes that, you know what that's a, that's a good point I didn't even, I've even looked into because he didn't throw to Gomes well actually he won a Cy Young thrown to. No, he didn't actually. He had a not great year throwing to, to Perez because that was twenty sixteen. Yeah, right? no, it's always been Gomes has been his guy for the yeah. The so longer. I mean, Gomes I was everybody's guy except Bauer. I didn't but. really even think about that, but I mean that that could honestly 
be a thing. That could be something that's happening to him. He's just not as comfortable throwing to... I mean, again, that's a big deal. You know, completely changing who you're... God damn it, there's somewhere where you can check that, too. Um, what, the framing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, just... just, just uh, the... Uh, what do you call who the catcher was? Can't remember that. Was. Oh, okay, I'll find it later. But uh, that could that could certainly be something. Which is not to say that the Perez isn't a good framer, but maybe he's just not as used to framing Kluber's pitches as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I didn't think about that. That could be that's a good point. So we'll get some real um, professional information on it later. But but we can talk about Francisco Lindor and the fact that he's he's coming back and and hopefully a week as of this recording, it's he's going to start tomorrow in Louisville. Hopefully which will be tonight on Tuesday, um, getting his rehab starts. I guess we talk about the impact he's going to have, but more importantly, man, baseball baseball isn't baseball without Francisco Lindor. It doesn't seem – there's something missing, like a lot. I don't know. It's We're still watching all the same good players for, for part of it, but, I mean, I, I miss seeing that man hit baseballs. He hasn't even been around that long. It's weird how much of an impact he's had in that short amount of time, and he's almost back in a couple years – or a couple, couple years couple what? days i'm excited uh, for that but <laughs> but i mean what what kind of impact do you think he's going to have on this lineup when he comes back it's got to be huge right he's going to be the, the number one or two hitter and he's going to be slapping dingers and well and, and we were talking about this a little before the, the the show started he um him coming back and being good in conjunction of course with you know with like kipnis coming back and being some semblance of good it's the the, the lineup really doesn't look dreadful i guess if you were to plug them in in the place of you know whoever uh this rise the indians are in third place officially i mean i don't know what i'm doing looking at places <laughs> well it looks like a real lineup almost that's well, a... that's the thing right i mean all right let's let's take yesterday's lineup just as in for instance and and plug francisco lindor in there um leonis martin leading off i'm okay with that continuing because he's been great at it and then you probably go you probably put Lindor in batting second. Then you have him, Ramirez, Gonzalez, Santana. Uh, Santana not clean up there. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. I go, and all of a sudden you have these fun questions to ask. I, I guess, and you can put Santana batting third, or you bet you know, him bat third, and then maybe you could put Bowers fourth, and then all of a sudden got, uh, Carlos Gonzalez and then Hanley Ramirez is batting sixth. I'm starting to feel a little bit better about things. You know what I mean? I, yeah. The further down Roberto Perez is, obviously, is always positive too. How um, dare you? I mean, and then and then you put you know you put Kipnis in there batting seventh. I'm I'm suddenly not you know having a heart attack and going this is the <laughs> what who why you know just 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 saying half half formed sentences to the sky wondering what the hell is going on like looking at Kansas City Royals lineup and thinking to myself boy I wish the Indians had hitters <laughs> like that. <laughs> Get me some. Some mm, of me, that. Let Which, me get by that the way, I've been making a joke. <laughs> I've been joking every time it's up, but uh, Whit Merrifield, that man is a future Cleveland Indian, and it's going to happen. I'm going to oh, will it. Um, I'm sorry, Kipnis, but you're gone, and get me Whit Merrifield now. I do like the cut of his jib. Ooh, man, he is a weird-looking man. Not, not even weird-looking. He just, he, I don't know. His his photo on Baseball Reference is very. <laughs> it's, just, it's it's kind of it's kind of fuzzy, as though he's he's not quite an actual human being. His name like Whit Merrifield, but. Yeah, he no, may he's, not be. Um, We're not. He's a hobbit, so he's not technically big fan. Know. Big fan of old wit. Yeah, that's that's a guy that I want on the end. If there's any trade, tar- I don't think he's going to be traded. But if there's any trade target yeah. I have, it's Whit Merrifield. Just imagine should, that lineup with him. Those idiots should trade him. I mean, yes. obviously he's 30 years old. Like the his 
this this is when you get the most out of and they should trade on the deadline <laughs> to somebody. Yeah. But yeah, no, getting Lindor back suddenly makes that lineup and assuming, you know, Ramirez gets good again. Um Martin, Lindor, Ramirez, Santana, uh and then what Gonzalez, Ramirez, Bowers, Kipnis and someone. Not world beating. You know, like you look at that and then you go and you look at, say, I don't know, let's pick a random team. These Houston Astros, perhaps. <laughs> and look at their lineup. And, it, and then you go, oh, all right, damn, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but still, you know, even with that, like their fifth best hitter is Michael Brantley, for God's sake. And I said, there's going to be a grace period, too. Like, we're going to have to accept that Lindor and Kipnis aren't going to be all stars when they fold. Kipnis might be an all star at all, but. They're going to take some time to adjust, and Ramirez is still might be a slow start. So there's going to be a couple weeks where the panic levels, I think, are going to go off the charts when Lindor is back and not all of a sudden hitting 430 home runs. So sure, no, I mean, I've, I just I just happened to look up, you know, like last year he started the year first 22 games. I just picked a number. He his OPS was 678. You know, for the month of April he was uh, bad. 245, 331, 409, you know, and, and this is a guy who ended the season hitting, what, 277, 352, 519. So, I mean, he just, he just, he started slow and then he just kind of lit it up. You know, he had that two home run day in Toronto on, what, the May 3rd and then just kind of started obliterating American League pitching for a while there. And then just, you know, I think one of those months he just went absolutely nuclear, didn't he? I think that was 2017. Was that 20? Oh, that's right. That was 2017. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, well, actually, he, yeah, in May, actually, he had an 1169 OPS. So, slow start, and then all of a sudden, he had 10 home runs in a month. Yeah, he did have a and That was with May. spring training, which he doesn't have this year. So Right, exactly. There's going to so, be some time for him to get up to speed, which is fine. I mean, you know, whatever. He'll, it'll take a little while to get going, and then him and Kipnis will simultaneously have an amazing June, because that's what Kipnis always does. He has a very good June. And right around then is when Ramirez will, you know, shake off his uh, his winter rust and do the same thing he did all the middle of last year. There you go. This, I mean, this is all the, the this is, oh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what could happen. It's what recent track records have told, has shown us will happen sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, you got a Carlos year, Santana who didn't start slow and you're going to see what he does for a whole season, which should be good. So just, I pretty, mean, just remember, you know, you're going to someone, you're going to Ramirez who eight eight sixty seven coming out of April and March, which is a number he could he could easily get to with a couple of hot days, and then eleven eighty nine OPS in May, nine twenty nine in June, eleven sixty four in July, and then obviously hit the skids in mid to late August. But he had an amazing middle of the year last year, and he could do it again. I mean, he's he's a good hitter still. It's just you know I guess comfort level is getting guys back up to speed and. I was hoping the pitching kind of holds up, and that's the the anchor to it all. I was hoping that, hoping that pitching uh, holds up because, ugh, because <laughs> ugh, basically, ugh, God, it's it's more <laughs> Carrasco is honestly the more troubling one because he looks like hot garbage the other day. Yeah, he's got like one of the highest hardest hit rates. He's got a low strikeout right. rate. There's just, a lot wrong with Carlos Carrasco. Right he now. just didn't look good, and I don't know. I mean. He says he's healthy though, and there's no seem sure. to worry no, about his I health. Know, but, but I don't know. And, and we were talking, we were talking earlier about pressure and stuff. You know, just on on the on the rotation. Maybe we weren't. Maybe I was just thinking about it. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on the rotation, obviously, because the lineup is not competing, and the rotation needs to be great every time out, more so than ever before, with this team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love Carlos Carrasco to death, but he's definitely the one that needs has proven in the past to need the most kind of like 
I don't want to say psychological care, but, you know, he was a bit of a head case early on and he kind of found uh, a, a, you know, a, a piece to himself as, as his career wore on. But I don't know. He's, he's just definitely been the one who's, who has the most ebbs and flow. You know, I, I think he ha- he definitely has the highest ceilings and the lowest floors of anyone on the team. I read about that, I think, last year. He, he definitely, I think he has one, like three of the highest pitching uh, game scores, but also like five of the lowest of anyone on the team, stuff like that. So, Yeah, oh yeah, he's the, he, the least consistent, ebbs, you could say, easily. I mean, and, he's really I'm good, not, but the least and, consistent. And I'm not saying that he can't handle the pressure, but maybe he's just trying too hard more than anyone else because, you know, he loves the Indians and he loves Cleveland. He just signed that huge contract to stay there basically for his career. Maybe he's just trying too hard. You know, and that's the thing that can happen. You get in your own head and you, you, you just push yourself to a point where you're not letting your talent do the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying I, he, he's not washed by any stretch of the imagination. I still think he's probably the, that could be the third best pitcher on the team. Although at this point, the fact that I have a hard time saying that is more a blessing than a curse. It's, you know, it's, it's praising with faint damn thing, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever the opposite of damn, just because I mean, if, if danging, there we go. It's dang, if, uh, if Bauer is this good and Bieber really is this good. And then Cleveranger comes back fully healthy. Kluber is the fourth best pitcher on the team. <laughs> All right, Matt, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by MLB.com's Mandy Bell. We're back, joined now by MLB.com Indians beat writer Mandy Bell. Mandy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. It's we were we were trying to find. I know we almost recorded at one point during spring training, and then my whole family got sick. So I'm glad we're able to do it now and actually talk about when there's baseball being played, even if it's not always the best. Um, but the one thing I want to start with is something that I was going to ask you back then. It's a very important thing to happen in spring training. I saw that somebody tweeted that you're apparently the ping pong champion of um, Goodyear, Arizona. <laughs> Is there some backstory <laughs> to that? Or did you just happen to pick up a paddle and dominated everybody in the clubhouse? And see, it, it was outside of, of work. We had like a little get together, uh, everyone on the media staff and the PR staff. And they, they started just playing ping pong. And I uh, somehow got grouped into that tournament. And I, I guess people weren't really expecting me to uh let's just say you know maybe be the last man standing at the end of all of that so uh yeah they they i i beat everybody there which was very funny and they of course made a big sign out of it and hung it at my seat at the media center so uh i displayed that one loudly and proudly on twitter <laughs> i guess that's a good first impression to give everybody that you beat him at ping pong like was it like a ringer situation where you knew you're gonna be good or just kind of luck yeah. And um, no, I've, I've played, I played ever since I was little and then I played tennis in high school. And so, uh, I've, I've played for a long time. Yeah. They didn't, nobody knew very much about me at that point. So I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have just stepped in like that, but it, it was funny. They, they all give me a hard time about it. Oh no. If you, if you have the chance to do that, I think you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so is there anything, I guess, Indians related, like, especially you were, you were just excited to cover either in spring training or in general, now that's your first year covering them that that you just looked at from the outside and, and were excited to take a look at closer and and if there was how did it live up to your expectations now that you're actually there and able to 
to go through the Indians day by day like this? Well, honestly, I think the biggest thing that I was just looking forward to was just, it seemed like it was just a completely brand new team. Obviously there's a, there's still a, a group of guys that are, that are the core of the Indians that are back from years past, but there was just so many new faces. And I thought that that was just a perfect time to hop in as a new beat. And, uh, I think that was what I was looking forward to is just sort of being one of the new many new faces in that clubhouse. So it, I thought it was like a, a good timing for me. And, and it was it was honestly fun to like get to know everybody and the same process that they were in as well. Like when I uh, met Jake Bowers at Tri- uh, Tribe Fest back in January, I was like, don't worry, I'm new here, too. So we we at least know each other. Um, and I, I, I interned with MLB the last two years and Ryan Flaherty, uh, was at the Orioles when I was with the Orioles two years ago. Um, so I at least had him and he saw me and he was like, I think you're the only person I know here. And I was like, good. Cause you're the only person I know here too. So it was just, it was fun and it was really enjoyable and it sort of made the transition a little bit easier. Hey, have you got any great, there are a lot, a lot of like, you know, old heads have been covering the Indians for a long time in Cleveland media, guys like Paul Hoynes and the like, <laughs> have you, have any of them kind of given you some good pointers you either listened to or ignored because I don't know, for whatever reason, whether about the city or just about the team in particular? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody is trying to help me out as much as possible, which has been awesome. I wasn't, I wasn't really sure how I would mix in here. Um, I, I know that there's, there weren't any other females on the beat, so I was like, all right, is this going to be all right? Is it going to be okay? And, and everyone's been great. They've all been trying to give me as much advice as possible. But I think the majority of the advice has been, uh, uh, the advice has been around food because apparently that's the most important thing. So uh, I've been getting a lot of restaurant recommendations for the Cleveland area and uh, and then everywhere that we travel this year, too. So. uh, So, yeah, I've been I've been I've been getting a lot of of good uh, restaurant advice for sure. But, yeah, so just the team in general and just learning how to be on the beat. I mean, this is my first year on a beat in general. I just graduated um, college uh, last May. So um i'm just trying to learn the ropes as quickly as possible so everybody's been an extreme help to me uh speaking of food how, you've been <laughs> to a few parks now which do you think has had the best uh kind of food for the for the the the, the reporters and whatnot for the reporters minnesota minnesota had some great food do you think that was a part of because it was opening day or and they're trying to make an impression or just maybe they no, just eat well in I've, general? I've, so, huh? I've heard from media wise, Minnesota's one of the best. I know I okay. interned in New York last year and uh, obviously the Yankees have a very good food selection as well. So they're close. <laughs> Minnesota was good. Um Kansas City wasn't bad either. They were all pretty good, but I think the top two would probably be New York and uh, and Minnesota that that I've been to so far. There's a lot more to 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 check before I can give the final answer. Oh sure, of course, yeah, small sample size <laughs> and all that. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, I noticed even in that small sample size. I mean, there's no Cleveland. Um, is that Progressive <laughs> Field? You getting peanuts Let, and chips right. up there and. <laughs> no, they, they, they definitely have a good spread, but I've spent most of my time in Cleveland, like in the concourse so that I can figure out what food's down there because I have so many people tweet at me saying like, what's the best food to get there? And I don't know because I'm so new. So that first week I went down on the concourse and I tried to explore as much as possible. And the Dante's pizza down, I think it's like in the right field corner is unbelievable so i mean if i haven't really had the media meals up there enough to be able to to give that one a grade but the the dante's pizza the spaghetti and meatball pizza is a must so i can i can definitely say that for sure 
Um, so Indian specifically, uh, most recently that's happened is is they've they've activated Jason Kipnis and DFA'd Brad Miller um, over Eric Stamets and Max Maroff. Did you get any kind of sense of of what went into that, the thinking behind that move specifically? Obviously, bringing back Kipnis is going to happen because he's Jason Kipnis, but but the decision to to let Brad Miller go over Stamets or Maroff was it was it purely a defensive thing or purely a lefty righty thing or? Uh, I think it was it was mostly a mix of of the left him being a left handed batter and uh, a second baseman and he's primarily I mean a better second baseman and first baseman than he would be a shortstop and and the issue is when you already have like a lefty second baseman coming back I think Tito even just said tonight before the game started you don't need another one just sitting there so the big issue there was the fact that he. He, yeah, of course, has had the most uh, experience at, at shortstop in the, his big league career, but he's not as as solid defensively at short as he would be at second and first. And so um, if you look at it from a defensive perspective, uh, I think they would they would prioritize statements for that one. And if they traded for Max Moroff over the offseason and he has no options left, I just don't see them ever wanting to DFA him rather than someone that they picked up at the last minute in a scramble. So I think it just came down. It really just came down to that. Do you, do you get the sense at all? Um, obviously the offense in particular has been struggling a lot. The pitching staff recently has hit a bit of a skid, but do you get the sense at all? The team is kind of just trying to tread water until, you know, until Lindor gets back, obviously to a lesser extent, Kittmas, of course, but you know, once Lindor is, it me and, me and Matt were talking about this before we started recording. Once Lindor gets in that lineup, it looks actually potentially pretty good. Do you feel like there's a sense of them trying to just gut it out until he's healthy and ready to play and, and ready to be who he is? Oh yeah, I, I think it's I think it's been like that since they found out that he sprained his ankle and and this was going to be a bigger bigger setback than what they thought. And uh, Jason Kipnis was down. As soon as those your two starting middle infielders go down, I think that the only option that you really have at that point is to just tread water until everything gets back to full strength. And the fact that they were able so far, I mean, Kipnis is back today, to keep a winning record during that span until at least one of the guys gets back, I think is is, is a lot better than what most people were expecting. I mean, I think it was through uh, like eight games that they had their best start since like 2011. Like they, they've, been, they've been doing some great things um, as much as the offense has been quiet. They're still getting by. And I think that's just sort of how they've looked at it. Now that Mike Clevenger's down, it's going to have that mindset a little bit of, of sort of treading water once they get to the point where they need another starter. I know with the off days, they can go with a four-man rotation for a little bit. So it shouldn't hurt them too much in the meantime. But yeah, I think that's basically how it is. And once he gets back, and it's not even just the fact that what he can do offensively to spark this team, it's just having that calming presence of somebody who's been there done that because right now they just have so many young guys who've never really been starters before hardly have any major league experience right now so it's just I think a lot of it just starts to come together even just having Kipnis back in the clubhouse right now I know whenever he said he was at a progressive field for a few hours before he started his rehab assignment he said watching these guys on tv he just wanted to jump through the tv set and give them all a big giant hug to calm them down and I thought that was a great quote because it's it's just how much impact these veteran guys can just have just being there and helping calm everybody down when maybe they're starting to press a little bit more at the plate. 
I've never thought about it before, but I bet Jason Gittinus gives the best hugs out of, out of everybody in the, the clubhouse. <laughs> That's I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, do, how does Francisco Lindor look? Because I'm sure you get to see him a little bit closer onto the field as he's doing his warm-up stuff before. Now, obviously, he's in Louisville to restart his, um, his rehab assignment. And then I saw today that you said he, he's starting down there, but I guess he's not starting tonight. Does he have like a definitive timeline of when he is going to start his rehab assignment or? Yeah, it'll, it'll be tomorrow. The issue with today was just the fact that there was so much rain and, and bad weather um, in the Midwest as he was trying to get to the team last night. I think he just got delayed a little bit. So they're not going to get him back in there until tomorrow, whenever they were hoping for today. So other than that, um, he's been just chomping at the bit. It seems like he, he's, wants to play he wants to do as much as he can during workouts and he's still same old francisco lindor laughing smiling loud in the clubhouse like he's he's a great presence just to have there um and tito said that a couple times just being able to have him there has been an asset to them but he is so ready to go and and tito said that every time that we've asked about it it's like if it's up to him he's in the lineup right now but they just want to be smart and take it as slow as they can because they don't want this thing that could be done at the end of April and be out of it to just, if they would rush it back to somehow pop up again in June or something that could set him back even more this season because they need him as we can see for the long haul. So he looks okay. He seems like he's in a great and great spirits, but he's, he's ready to get back. So I, I don't see his rehab assignment being too, too long. Um, speaking of MVP caliber infielders, what, well, what's your read, I guess, on Jose Ramirez? I know on the I was watching uh, the game on TV the other day, and there and um, it was either Rick Manning or Andre Knott were saying that he misses Lindor for the comp- the competitive side of things, like being able to compete with him to be the best or what have you. I mean, what he's just been very bad, obviously. What is your what is your read on on what's going on with Ramirez? It's tough. It just seems like a lot of these guys right now. I don't I don't know if some of the the veteran guys we can't say Carlos Santana because he's been hitting, but I don't know if maybe they feel a little bit more pressure just because this lineup isn't at full strength and isn't doing what they, they think that they're capable of this year. Um, but he ended the season last year and, uh, and, and quite a bit of a slump and then it hasn't really been able to find it to start this year, which obviously has a lot of fans concerned. Um, but when you ask Francona about it and say like, is there any concern with you? Is there, is there anything that you're looking at? And he said, if, if the biggest thing I'm worried about is, is Jose Ramirez, then I mean, I'm pretty set because we all know what he's capable of. It's early. It's been cold and bad weather. He said, come June or July, no one's going to be even worried about this because he's going to be hitting the ball. Like Jose Ramirez knows how to hit the ball. So it's, there's a lot of things up in the air because you, you look at it and you saw the end of the year struggles. You see the beginning of the year struggles, but you also have to remember how, how many different factors play into it at the beginning of the year, just being a little bit rusty. And, and I mean, it has been freezing for most of these games. So there's just so many different things. I'm not really, really sure if maybe once the team gets back to full strength and he doesn't have as much pressure on him to provide, maybe things will start clicking a little bit better. But um, hopefully for the Indians' sake, it does start to happen sooner rather than later. So we can finish up with um, with one of those players you mentioned there, Carlos Santana. Um, I know it's hard because you didn't follow him either as, as every day with in Philadelphia last year, even two years with the Indians, so hard to compare. But there's always been kind of this thought that he's a guy who needs to feel comfortable where he is and relaxed. And 
does he just seem that way this year? Like he's just he's just happier. And I know I know he worked a lot on on speaking English, so we can do more interviews. So maybe he's more comfortable in that way. But is it a lot of because normally Santana's not a quick starter, so is a lot of it just because of how much more comfortable he is in Cleveland now, or is it just he's in general just feeling the ball better and seeing it a lot better? I mean, he he couldn't have been happier when he showed up to spring training this year, and he even said like, he had a house in Cleveland that he never sold. He he kept it, and he was ready to come back to it whenever whenever he uh, found his way back here. And I mean, it's both him and and Tito that just couldn't be happier that he that he's here. The the relationship that those two have is one of my favorite things to watch. Seeing them interact. Is, is super cool. I mean, we were all waiting in Tito's presser the other day and Santana popped his head in. Just Tito just yells, what's up, baby? And he like walk, and he just yells, good morning, and then keeps going. And it's just like those two together are super, super great. Um, and like Tito's even said, I wouldn't just let anybody kiss my head for the heck of it. So um, he seems very relaxed. He seems very happy to be back. And every time that you ask him about um, Cleveland in general, he always just says like, um, the fans here help me. I feel comfortable. I'm at home. This is my home. So, you I mean, yes, obviously he seems to be seeing the ball really well right now. They've all talked about the fact that he's been working on going the other way, staying up the middle. There's definitely things mechanically that he's done to be able to see the results that he has. But it's hard to ignore the fact how, how happy and comfortable he does feel being back with the Indians. All right, Mandy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. It's nice to get a, a different view of, of the Indians and – um, you're doing a great job covering. I think it's going to be great as you, as long as you're here with with us covering them. So, so Mandy, let us know where where Indians fans can find you on Twitter, um, online, wherever you're wherever you appear. Yeah, at. I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm Mandy Bell zero two. Um, I'm on Instagram, Mandy Bell MLB, and then all of my stuff is on Indians.com. So you can see all of that there. All right, thank you, and everybody. That'll do it for our show this week. Um, we'll talk to you next week.